Do you like the ring of episode Dave Cowens? Do you remember Dave okay, Cowens? Yeah. Are you old enough to remember Dave Cowens? Because well, that's a, kind not, of on the fringe for yeah, me. Yeah, say not as a player, but certainly oh. as a as a legendary basketballer for He's sure. Rough. You didn't mess with. Mm-hmm. He was a tough guy. You didn't mm-hmm. mess with Dave Cowens. Uh, episode Charlie Joyner. How about that? Charlie Joyner. Remember Charlie oh, Joyner? Yeah, San Diego Chargers. Oh boy, those Chargers wide mm-hmm. receivers. They broke my heart one day. The greatest game playoff game ever played. Forty-one thirty-eight. Miami, San Diego. Kellen Winslow. Does that mean anything to you? Coming off, coming off, coming off the field with the thing. He kept on coming off the field, dehydrated. Uh, and then the other ones are episode Dennis Savard, hockey. hockey. <laughs> episode Bobby Labonte, NASCAR. Yeah. You know, look at you. What you gave me like a yeah, yeah like like you know, Labonte. like you yeah. know that. Yeah, I don't know Bobby Labonte. Which one do you like, or do you like none of them? You just like episode eighteen. Eighteen's good by me. People are like. Stop with the numbers because it sounds like you're bragging. Did you see? Did you hear that on Twitter? No. Now, how does episode 18, 19, 20, how does that sound like we're bra- I would have never, of all the things that would sound like <laughs> bragging. we're bragging, it's we were just- accused of bragging because we're using the number. And, and by the way, I went looking. Some people are going episode number 3,212. I mean, everybody's doing this. Okay. Everybody's using numbers. Everybody's but using numbers. But how could you be bragging by saying... So people understand which episode it is versus yeah. how is that bragging? Because you're what you're 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 pointing out how how long standing. Oh gosh, and eighteen. 18 boy, that's my god. People are just looking. Don't for I have to, to get to like like at I'll least twenty three before I'm bragging? It's <laughs> brutal. Four guests today on episode number eighteen. Episode Peyton Manning. Episode Dave Cowens. Uh, how about Dreamville? If I said Dreamville thirty three, do you know who I'd be talking about? I do. I don't know that everyone would know that. Do you follow Dreamville 33? I do not follow Dreamville 33. What's it going to take for me to get you to follow on Twitter Dreamville 33? I don't even follow a single Mm -hmm. current Husky basketball player. Oh, really? So so it's out. It's not even... Should I not have him on? Dreamville 33? Oh, no. You need to have... I want to hear from Dreamville 33. Oh, you're going to hear from Dreamville 33. But I'm not going to follow him on Twitter. (laughs) Okay. All right, Isaiah Stewart is who yes. Dreamville 33. And for the people that are listening to this pod that have not listened to the others or not paying attention, he's one of the top four or five high school All-American basketball players. Mm-hmm. And he chose, I can't even do it, my fingers don't do it, but he Gosh, chose. Gosh, we need video. He I, chose. I, I'm taking a photo the, of that. The periscope. I'm, t- I'm taking a photo of that. I can't do it. He chose the University of Washington. He did. And and we were talking before we started to record. You don't think he's been heard from on I don't locally I, yet. I can't. So this is it. He's breaking the ice recall, right here. Yeah, I can't recall somebody having Ooh. him on. But I, you know, I, I don't listen. This is a, to much this is a radio. big thing. Then I'm going to be nervous. I've already done the interview, but I'm going to be. Ver- <laughs> I, I better go back and <laughs> you be go nervous. Back and be nervous. Yeah. Yeah. So Dreamville 33. Isaiah Stewart is going to be on Mitch Unfiltered, telling us why. He picked Washington, mm-hmm. his long-standing relationship with Hop, mm-hmm. and what he's what he's looking to accomplish. I'll, I I throw in the whole Jaden McDaniels. What do we got to oh, do? Yeah. What do you want me to do? I'm 20 miles. I'll go right now. <laughs> Isaiah, just tell me what you want me to do. I'll go do it right now. Uh, Peter King from the Super Bowl football morning in America. Super Bowl number 53 is drawing near. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brackettville, you want to hear from Dave Amon, do you not? I do. 
You know who Dave Amon is. I Dave Amon is Bracketville. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's the number one statistically, the best bracketologist. And boy, does he have plenty to say about the University of Washington. Don't say that. Don't say that. The University of Washington. Thank you. Okay. Uh, he's got plenty to say about Gonzaga. He's got plenty to say about the number one seeds. He's mm-hmm. got plenty to say about the bubble, which, by the way, Washington is no longer on in his estimation. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give it away. Uh, and it's never too early to talk about the NFL draft. Danny Kelly is an NFL draft expert, a local guy from Bellingham originally. He is the NFL draft expert of The Ringer, mm-hmm. Bill Simmons's creation, The Ringer. Yep. And there was a senior bowl in Mobile, Alabama over the weekend. He was there all week going to practices and covering it. Yeah. And there were some standouts, two of which come from your alma mater. That's right. University, University of Washington. Washington. A lot of good things all of a sudden happening with the University all of, of Washington. All of a sudden. All of a sudden. Since the Rose Bowl disaster, something's oh, been great. God. It's been great, hasn't it? It's been great. Disaster? Well, the, remember, the, the Rose Bowl was a disaster. The Washington I disagree. out-of-conference. Out didn't win, but it okay. wasn't. The out-of-conference scheduling, uh, the out-of-conference games for Washington basketball. Tough games. They, Keep they, going. They didn't work out. There was momentum again. It was anti-Pac-12, and everything was yep. going. And then all of a sudden. Nice snaps. Everything's going now a little bit better. Isaiah's coming. Washington 7-0. Some of the uh, Washington football players are doing well in senior bowls. Starting to, uh, starting to feel just, I'm just saying, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel a little forward momentum mm-hmm. for your for your beloved alma mater. That's right. Okay? Episode number 18, brought to you by Daniel's Broiler. Valentine's Day is just about upon us. A Thursday this year, so you and your loved ones could celebrate a Friday, a Saturday, four locations, of course. Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue and the newly remodeled Defender. It's on its way back. You tell the folks at Land Rover of Bellevue that you're a Mitch Unfiltered listener and you go right to the top of the VIP order list. Zeke's Pizza. Join me on Super Bowl Sunday, which is now just a few days away, depending upon when you're listening to this episode number 18, at the brand new Capitol Hill location on Mercer Street. Pizza specials, Jason. Beer specials. (laughs) And your favorite Super Bowl square pools. Little pool of squares. We're going to have a little pool of squares. Zeke's Pizza. And by the way, I am super pleased to announce that we have added a fourth sponsor to Mitch Unfiltered, the premier wealth management firm in the Northwest, Evergreen Govcal, managing over $2 billion in assets with its roots here in Bellevue and offices along the West Coast, Portland, San Francisco, and the Napa Valley. Are you ready for episode 18? Let's do it. So am I. Unfiltered. It's okay to have a game plan going in, but when you're so stubborn and unwilling to get away from it because the other team is essentially daring you to do so, then we get into stupidity. Unfiltered. Guess that's what really kind of infuriates me, that we go to the offseason after a game that the quarterback was really not given a chance to win the football game for you. That's a quarterback who's the face of the organization. That's a quarterback who, as I say, in a couple of years or in a year, they're going to give, I don't know, $25, 30000000 a year to. 
and yet it just feels to me like they took the ball out of his hands. Mitch is unfiltered. Okay. You've made me wait long enough. For what? For a commitment, an RSVP. Do you know what RSVP stands for? I have. What does RSVP stand for? It means I'm here every Wednesday (laughs) and Sunday night to record this podcast. That's not what RSVP means. That's what it means. It means I am reserved to be in this chair. Responde, s'il vous plaît. Okay. That's so what RSVP is. That's bad French, okay, my man. Okay, well, I, I can't help it. I'm yeah. not French. Okay. Um, come on. Give me some news about Sunday at the Capitol Hill location, Zeke's Pizza. I've got, I've got happy hour prices from one to eight. Mm-hmm. I've got, you know, you tell me with his, whether this is good. $4 pints, mm-hmm. $3 slices, $15 large pies, a Rubens Brews Tap Takeover at the Capitol Hill location, Mercer Street, Sunday. Game starts at 3.30. Okay. Okay. What time are you going to be there? I think I and maybe some of my family members, mm-hmm. not sure who yet, yeah. or they're going to send me by myself. I think we'll be there at latest, at latest 3 o'clock, probably 2.45. I'm thinking 2.45. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I thought you were. Like, I thought you were going to say you're going to be there way prior to kickoff. Kickoffs at three thirty. I need time to assemble the the, the, pool, the pool of squares, the hundred squares, the hundred squares. Yeah, I thought and sell them if yeah. anybody wants to be. Yeah. And I just have this. I just have this recurring nightmare mm-hmm. that I'm going to get there and I'm going to be the only person there. So I'm hoping that you'll come and be there too. Will you join it, us? It starts at one. Well, the happy hour prices start at one. Yeah. You can come anytime you yeah. want. Okay. The game goes. Okay. Uh, you and I both agree we're having trouble finding a rooting interest in this this game. I don't like either team. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm on record saying I wasn't gonna actually even watch this. Come on, you My- gotta. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah, I cannot stand Tom Brady. Can't stand him. Okay. There's another team out there. Yeah. All right. They're called the Rams. All right. How many days away? We're a few days away now. I guess I'll I'll have the conversation finally. (laughs) You are a ball buster. I just you know I don't I don't make plans that far in advance. You know that's that's like eons away. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, By the way, I'm going to be there. You are. Yes. I know you. And I'm inviting everybody who's listening right now to stop by. I'd love you to stop by before the game so we can do the squares. Mm -hmm. But if you only two forty five. Well, you can be at 3, 315, 320. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the game starts at 330. Come by. Bring your families by. Mm-hmm. Um, shake my hands. Let me Allow me to say thank you and and be a part of uh, just some fun at the brand new ca- – it's on Mercer Street in Capitol Hill, the brand new Zeke's Pizza for the Super Bowl with the, with the special. So Love I hope it. everybody will come. Love it. All right. Uh, really quickly before we get on with the show mm-hmm. – um, Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Yep. Rate us five stars, please. Thank you. And uh, if you'd like to become a patron, the numbers are going up. We're putting more and more content on there. You and I are doing these late night phone calls yeah. after the it's Oregon fun. game. It's yeah. fun. We're putting more and more content out there. If you want to hear the patron only content, go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Click on become a patron. Yeah. And for $5 a month or whatever you want to, 
whatever you want to do above five dollars yep. of course you'll have access to all of the patron content the bonus episodes of mitch unfiltered that you and i do every once in a you while you tried to make me look bad after the game I in corvallis you you purposefully tried to make me look bad did i succeed it's hard to make you look bad look at you you you, you did you're a handsome handsome you tried individual. to make you look bad you put on twitter and i didn't see this because I wasn't paying attention to Twitter after <laughs> after I was doing the post game show at Oregon State. Okay, what did I do? I shut my computer down. You did? Yeah, shut. I shut my like you know I'm getting packing up, leaving. Yeah, I didn't get to the mentions and some of the whatever. Right, I had a scrolling thing on my right. computer. Yeah, and I am stopping off, grabbing something real quick to eat because I'm driving. I drove down in the morning, did the game, and was driving back afterwards. I understand. Stop for gas. Look at my Twitter as I'm waiting. And I saw that you said, hey, patrons only, plus maybe open it up for everyone, up to Jason D. Hamilton. Yeah. and you It's threw, always up to you. And you, you, threw, know that. you threw it out there like, yeah, hey, it's your call. Right. I would have loved to have done something. No, you didn't really want to do it. I didn't know. And then, whatever. <laughs> I, I just, I'm through with you. Well, what, what, how did I make you look bad? You yeah. haven't gotten to that point yet. You've told everybody on Mitch Unfiltered that I made you look bad. Okay. What, I'm going to apologize for making up, but I still don't know what I made. How did I make you look bad? Because then I texted you after I saw it and said, hey, I would be glad to do an episode. Yeah. And you never responded to me. You never texted me back. You never called. You never, I said, I'm going to be in my car. I know you've got a, a cell phone issue. But I'm going to be in my car, and I'm going to be driving for the next couple hours. Yeah. If you want to do- Like a uh, Bluetooth patron-only deal. I would have done to it. To celebrate 7-0. and 0. I would have done it. Crickets. But then I get back, and I got people saying, where's the episode? What are, what are we doing? And, you, and you, so why do you think I never got back to you? Because you're an idiot. Why did I not get back to you? I don't you? know. you're going to tell this- I you don't know. know. You do you're know. Claiming, you're not, you're you're not, claiming that you didn't get it. I just showed you my phone. You didn't- did I show you the, Listen, the texting? Listen, we spoke when I was in London. Technology works, <laughs> man. <laughs> I would have loved... Do you, th- do you think I didn't want to do it? What, 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 I don't know. What's your, what's what your is your problem, bitch? <laughs> I don't know. You know that I love talking to you. Okay, I'm just and telling I, you. And I can't talk to you enough. <laughs> yeah, right. So here's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to finish this episode 18 with all our great guests yeah. and these topics. Uh-huh. And then when you drive home, yeah. we're going to do a bonus episode. Okay. We're going we're gonna to do a bonus episode. Right. Just when you leave the house, yeah. you're going to get in the car. I yeah. want you to call and we're going to immediately, immediately start. Yeah, okay, great. That's how much I want to talk to you. All right, great. Okay. Yep. And, I, and, and, and as much as I want to talk to you, I want to see you 10 times more at Capitol, at the Capitol Hill location <laughs> Zeke's. of Zeke's. But okay. anyway, patrons available if you want to become a patron. Um, so I think we just touched on I can't remember in recent memory. Somebody said to me, let me let me say it this way. Somebody said to me at a party that I was I was in attendance at last night. Mm-hmm. Said I I I've never been some guy came up to me and said, I have never been less interested in a Super Bowl in my life. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to say what we have been saying, although I don't agree with him because from a football perspective, I think the Super Bowl, from an X's and O's perspective, it's interesting. There's there's a lot oh, of there's of a lot of things interesting. There of are, course. There have been, this is not like the 
This is not like the Jacksonville Jaguars no. against no, the no, no. Uh, San Francisco 49ers. No. I mean, this is, there, there is matchup wise, it's a great matchup. It's, it's a very, if it's not a great matchup, it's certainly an compelling, interesting, yes. very compelling. Yeah. I mean, you got the Sean McVay thing and his offense against Bill Belichick and his defense. You got Tom Brady against a team that's loaded with defensive superstars, but for whatever reason, they've got a bad defense, but they've got all these superstars on yeah. defense. I never understood that with the Rams. Talk to Peter King about that. So I think from a football perspective, I wouldn't say it's it's that, that I've never cared less about a Super Bowl than this mm-hmm. one. But I see what the guy is saying, and you and I, I don't I don't remember the last time that a Super Bowl came that I truly did have a rooting interest yeah. because I find my it's impossible for me to root for the Patriots for Cannot. all the reasons that you have plus some by the way. Yeah. I mean, I happen to be yeah, a fan in the of a, divi- into yeah, the division. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't I don't I don't have any Yeah. And then the Rams, no. No. Right. Well, I don't want the Rams. And in the division and I mean so all the we, same we, we yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I don't have a rooting interest, but I still find the matchup interesting and so mm-hmm. when the game comes about I'll be watching eagerly to see what happens mm-hmm. between those things not you I though. just I just you can, just don't even want to watch I it. just cannot listen Tom, I'll say this and this isn't a I'm not going on a limb here yeah Tom Brady's great I don't know about the greatest of all time but he is he's in the conversation yeah right yeah I don't care for him I don't want the Patriots to win. Mm-hmm. The Rams are a division rival of the Seahawks. I don't want them to win. <laughs> okay. So we don't want it. We want it to end in a tie. Yeah, which is not possible. I have to say, though, and I know that I'll catch some flack for this, I'd rather have the Rams win. Uh, no, you're not going to catch any flack for that. Oh, there'll be people that say you oh, never. Well, some will give uh, you Yeah, flack, of course. But, but I don't is, have any problem with that. Yeah. I, I would if you told me put gun to head. I got to. I'm rooting for the Rams. Yeah, the Rams all the way. I just cannot. Right. I can't do it. Of I cannot do it. Of course. I don't. I, this will not be a, a happy go lucky cheering for the Rams, which is why right. I'm like I don't even want to watch this game. Yeah. That's but that's a whole separate issue. I have a problem with I don't even want to watch this game because I, I think the the inferences and maybe this is it that if you don't have a real rooting interest in a sporting event. You don't really want to watch. And so I get that. But if you're a football fan, yeah. there's plenty of reasons to watch. So I guess I guess I don't I don't I don't I, I, I'm with you, with you, with you, with you, with you. And, and then, then you go to I don't even want to watch this game. That's where you lose. Yeah. me. That's where you cross the yeah. street without me. Anyway, um, seven and oh, seven and oh, sweep of the Oregon schools. So. so since the formation of the Pac-12 with the addition of Colorado and Utah, only one other time in the history of the new Pac-12 has a team swept the Rockies and the Oregon schools in the same year. Only one other time since the formation of, of the Pac-12. And Washington was the second. Who was the first? USC did it. And I can't remember the year, but USC did it. My my guess is is that when USC did it, it was a more it was a more impressive feat when USC did. But I don't know. I, I you'd have to tell me who was on those teams. I mean, right. the, the, I can't remember the, the year. The depth of of those four teams, the depth that they've fallen in Oregon in particular because of all the injuries sure. and all the attrition. Sure. Um, but it's still it's incredible. You know, 
I was thinking about this. Well, l- let me throw at you the poll that I that I threw out when you had turned your computer off, and I was okay. apparently embarrassing you, which I'm sorry for embarrassing, making you look bad. Um, I threw out a poll that said the biggest reason Washington is a surging seven and zero in the Pac-12 is a they're gelling mm-hmm. and improving, mm-hmm. or b they're playing against lousy opponents you in the said conference. this after the after the game Oregon State game after the Oregon I think it was at I think it was after the Oregon State okay. game. I'm pretty sure it was after the okay. Oregon State game it's obviously both I, I disagree but okay it, what you disagree what that it's not both they're seven and oh for they they're seven and oh for a couple of reasons not one yeah, one reason I, I think part of it has to be that it's been a week a, a weak set of opponents uh yeah I mean but I think that that discounts that discounts their achievement by saying that they're just a weak. I think Oregon's actually pretty good. I know Oregon State's pretty good. I would say Washington State clearly struggles. The Bay Area clearly has struggled, right? So you know between Utah, Colorado, you, they're not as strong as as they. So been a part in, of it is certainly the league is down. Yes, overall a part, part but of it. This is aren't these aren't like you know you're not playing directional schools here. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So you think by far and away the bigger factor is they're just getting better and better and better. It's not the opponents, not the level of opponents. So what is it? What are they getting? What? Wh- why are they getting so good? What? What? What is it about them that's gelling defensively? They're they're clamping down. Oh, they've been. I mean, they're clamping down now. That's starting to look like the the ups the the, the Harvard of Central yeah. New York zone. <laughs> well, I will tell you that they're they're certainly playing some great defense that first half against Oregon State I thought even though Oregon only scored 19 points in the first half I thought the defense against Oregon State in the first half was better than it was uh, against Oregon so defensively I think that 2-3 they're gelling they're making it tough for people to make shots I think Oregon State just had some better shot makers that's why they scored more points Um, but then offensively you're just getting more contributions across the board where before it was consistently Jalen Noel and Noah Dickerson. You knew those two were going to give you close to 20, and then who else was going to fill in? And now, mm-hmm. David Crisp doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, second in the team in scoring. Nas Carter had a monster game against Oregon State, mm-hmm. including four highlight dunks. But you're starting to see those guys be a factor. Matisse Thibel's always going to be, you know, defensively he's going to be a factor. And if he scores it, it's it's an extra. Dom Green comes in off the bench, does what he does, knocks down threes. And then Sam Timmons, who has struggled, has come in and actually played some good minutes. So I think it's a, it's a combination of a bunch of things. You think they're one of the top 20 teams in the country right now? Forget the rankings. Yeah. But do you just think they're one of the best 20 teams in America right Probably now? Probably not. Probably not. 25, maybe 30? Yeah, I think we were starting to get into that number. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's There's nothing nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think think you look at a team like Auburn, who they lost to, and it's tough to play at their place at Auburn. Auburn's, you know, they're missing a guy, and they're struggling a little bit. I think their latest ranking is 25, and Auburn is better than Washington. They are. They just are. Now – Well, they were better on that day. They were better on that day. You just got finished telling me how much better Washington is right now than they were on that day. Yeah, I would love to see that game again. I would love to see Washington well, let's see it. playing. Neutral floor? Yeah. March Madness? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Washington right now is playing some good ball. And, and we said we said that the next two to three weeks, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we're going to tell the tale with yeah. well, how good is this yeah. Washington team going to Oregon. You got the L.A.s coming, then you got to go to the Arizonas. 
You took care of the first week. Yeah. You got a monster matchup on Wednesday against uh, USC. Um, I mean, it's going to be. Let me throw this this one at you. So before this whole thing started, the Pac-12. Yeah. We were talking about fourteen and four. You mentioned fourteen I did. and four. That was my number. John Rothstein mentioned fourteen and four because I was asking everybody who would listen to me. Hey, what what what's the goal? What do they need to do in this bad Pac-12 to get into the tournament to be dancing? Mm-hmm. And everybody seemed to think fourteen and four. You better start thinking about. Well, now they're seven and zero. Okay, so they're going to play eighteen games. I'm going to give you this, and then. Yep. They got eleven to go in the regular season, yep. and they've got at least one in, in the, the Pac-12, Pac-12 tournament, right. right? So they have at least twelve games to go before post 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 season mm-hmm. play. All right. If you look at their schedule, if you asked Vegas today, if they played all of these games tomorrow, not all at the same yeah, time, yeah, 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 um, yeah. Just, played, charted just, just charted them. If you just if you just said okay, you looked at every opponent yeah. tomorrow, yeah. as of right now, okay. They would be favored definitively in ten of the twelve games. They will be the Vegas. They will be favored to win mm-hmm. in at least ten of the games. The only two that are up for debate are the Arizona games on the road. Those would be the only two games that they could be an underdog if they if they were played today. Because yeah. all the other games they're going to be the, the LA schools are here. Yeah. Home games or home against games. lesser opponents. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And so I would say to you that as of the moment, they would probably be a slight underdog against Arizona State, like one or two at Arizona State, and probably either be even or a favorite at Tucson against Arizona with the way Arizona's going. Yeah. So think about that now. We start 7-0. and You start 7-0. and You're favored to win 11 of the next 12. Now, you don't always win as a favorite. Of course. But you don't always lose when you're an underdog at Arizona State. So at this point, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If they finish 14 and four, mm-hmm. two things are going to happen. One, they're going to make the NCAA tournament, and two, Mitch Levy is going to be disappointed in the end. Because at this point, I don't want. I'm getting greedy. greedy. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. 14 and four against this group with no trips to LA, with the trips to Oregon done. The only hard trips that are left is the Arizona schools. I'm sorry. Um, at seven and zero, seven and four over the next eleven, not good enough. It's wow. good enough to get in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Not good enough to be impressive. I, hear you. I think at this point now, I'm recalibrating. Yeah. That's today today's show. I am recalibrating. I'm thinking fifteen and three, sixteen and two. I'm thinking right in there. There should be. They keep playing like this. They're gonna they're gonna nearly run the table in the pack. Yeah. Team. So you used a word that I used. Before the show or before the tip off uh, against Oregon State and after the game, yeah, and that is greedy. I think the opportunities that you have, if you're Washington, you cannot think anything less than running the tape. Be as greedy as you possibly sure, can, because sure. because for those that will recall, in the 2011-2012 season, Washington was 14 and four and won the regular season. Pac-10 championship outright and did not make the tournament. Now, the numbers statistically in terms of the conference are worse this year than they were that year. Than they were that year. That's a good point. So, 14 and 4. Now, Washington's strength of schedule or or difficulty and the new net rankings and besides RPI, things have changed. 
Washington's schedule this year was way better than it was that year, even though Washington didn't win any of those games against Gonzaga, Vatek, or uh, Auburn, uh, and then lost one to Minnesota. That being said, 14-4 and four now. No guarantee. I don't think there's a guarantee – and because you're seven and zero, I'm with you. You've got to be thinking. Let's not roll the dice at fourteen. Just and four. go take care of business. Yeah, I, I, and I, screw fourteen and four. Listen, I'm out. I'm out on fourteen and four. USC and UCLA, forget their records. They're talented teams. Sure. That even if Washington's going to be favored, dangerous teams. Washington can't. Of course. You've got to take care of business. Of course. At home. There you go. So I have a, a flurry of other stuff. Let's do it in the last segment okay. because I've got four interviews coming up now. Yep. On episode 18. I never, you know, and, and by the way, there's no like, there's no formal strategy to these things. Like I want to have three, uh, three interviews or four. It's just how it falls. Some episodes are going to have one mm-hmm. or none. It'll just be you and me. Yeah. Others are going to have, in the last few, I've had lots of different interviews just because I've reached out to people. They've said yes. There were topics at the, at the given times mm-hmm. that necessitated it. So there are four really interesting interviews in different areas of interest um, coming up, and then you and I are going to figure things out in the final segment. We'll do more banter, the banter that people want in our fourth segment. Couple of years since Land Rover produced the Defender, but it is coming back, and it's really spectacular. The order list is already filling up at my friend's Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue, but Al and Dimitri both have promised me that listeners of this podcast, Mitch Unfiltered, go to the front of the line if you want to order. Road and Track Magazine did a piece on their most highly anticipated 2019 vehicles, and there she is, the Land Rover Defender. You can't beat Land Rover of Bellevue. All I've driven in the last 12 years are vehicles that I've either leased or owned from this great dealership. The sales squad is terrific, no stress, a different type of environment, a service department which is the best in the industry, whether you received your car there or not. And a pre-owned selection, by the way, which is really, really good. Just off of 520 on Northeast 20th Street in Bellevue, Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Unfiltered. Our next guest, simply put, is one of the most popular guys in Seattle, and he's not even in Seattle. He joins us from Indiana. Here he is, Isaiah Stewart, one of the best five players in high school basketball. Isaiah, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. So, how do you feel? Weight off your shoulders? How's Isaiah Stewart feeling yeah. these days? Oh, man, I feel I feel great. Man, I can't even explain the feeling. Words can't even explain. I'm just just ecstatic, and I'm just, I'm just ready. I'm ready to just get out there in Seattle. Can you feel how excited everybody here is through social media? Man, I- for your arrival, can you can you feel it, Isaiah? Yes, sir. I can definitely. I can feel it all the way from where I'm at right now. So I'm definitely excited, and I just I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Tell us a little bit about Isaiah Stewart and his family. You're one of uh, you're the youngest youngest of six. Is that right? Oh, yes, sir. I'm the youngest of uh, six siblings. Um, my dad's from Jamaica. Um, I'm originally um from Rochester, New York. I was born there, and um. You know, um, me and Coach Hopkins, that's actually where, you know, I first met him, where he was coaching at Syracuse. Pretty much knew him since I was in eighth grade. Uh, and, you know, we built the relationship from there, and it carried all the way up to now. Do you remember the first time you met Coach Hop? Oh, yeah. I remember the first time I met Coach Hop. And, uh, 
you know, one of the moments that still that still stuck in my head is when um, I was playing against Isaiah Carter in high school, McQuay Jesuit versus Bishop Carney, and you know, Coach Hop was at the game, and um, you know, I was a sophomore at the time, and you know, um, I could just see Coach Coach Hop in the stands watching me. Uh, I had a pretty good game, even though you know Isaiah ended up winning. But uh, you know, I played pretty good. I had like a highlight dunk, and um, you know, I just remember that day. How many did you have that night in front of Coach Hop? I think it was about twenty-one, twenty-three points, something like that. All right. And so the relationship grew stronger and stronger. Did you have a favorite? I mean, Rochester's not far from Syracuse. Did you have a favorite? college basketball uh, team yeah i mean you know everyone in rochester was rooting for uh syracuse um you know at the time uh at the time i was still kind of rooting for syracuse too because i didn't you know i didn't really blow up yet and you know i was one of the schools that was recruiting me so uh you know i did show a lot of love to um syracuse and then you know once i started getting heavily re heavily recruited um you know i started looking at some other places of course and uh that sort of kind of simmered down okay so when you start going through the process, I think people here in Seattle would love to know, was it yeah. was it one of these things like when I'm trying to make a hard decision, I get up every morning and I have a different answer. And then the next morning I have a different answer. Were you flip-flopping back and forth in your mind? Was one day where one day you go into Duke, one day Syracuse, one day Michigan State, uh, one day Washington? Or were you – it was always Washington. Washington was my first visit out of the five. Uh, and then after Washington – um, I ended up visiting um, Kentucky, uh, Michigan, uh, Syracuse, Michigan State. Then Duke was my last one. And, uh, you know, through the process, it was like, you know, times where, you know, I was feeling this school more, which happens. You know, I feel this school more than I feel that school more. But then, you know, after my Duke visit, um, you know, um, I couldn't – it was something about the Washington visit I just, you know, couldn't forget. You know, I felt the love instantly when I was there. I didn't. I didn't even know what Seattle looked like. Um, I asked Nas, "Tell me it's a great city." I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect when I went out there. I, I just fell in love with you know, the city, the fans, the campus, the school. Um, you know how everyone out there is like tight and close, like family, and you know they have your back. So you know it was shortly after, um, you know, not too far after the Duke visit, where I sat myself down. Um, you know, I prayed on it, thought about it, thought over everything, and you know I was like, you know, Washington. Uh, that's the place I want to be. Um, I understand it's probably not like Duke, a blue blood school, all those type of things. But, you know, they're on the come up. They're doing great. You know, let me go. Let me go to that program and make it even more greater. You know, the fans deserve it. The city deserves it. Why not? Yeah. Uh, and I think people here are like listening to this and pumping their fists. For a kid like you to come to that realization is one thing, I think. But for a kid like you who lives in Rochester, New York, now I know you go to school in Indiana now, and I will talk about how that might have helped you. But the whole idea, yeah. Isaiah, of coming all the way out to Seattle when you could have gone to so many other schools so much closer and maybe your family could have seen you play, for you to have the courage and to be brave enough to say, I'm going to go across the world to Seattle and play my college ball so far from home, I, I just can't tell you how – how impressed I am with that. Oh, yeah. You know, um, with me, you know, I walk by faith, not by sight. So, you know, I have faith in this decision. Uh have faith in, you know, Coach Hop, the coaching staff. And, um, you know, I'm just 
you know, I'm ready to give it my all. You know, uh, I'm going to put my sweat and tears into it and, you know, try to make something special happen, which I, which I feel like we will. You know, I feel like Coach Hop is a guy who works hard. You know, he could have stayed at Syracuse and got the head coaching job, but, you know, he went he went out uh, out west and you seen what he did. He turned the program around already and, you know, he's working hard. He's hungry. I'm not saying type of player. You know, I'm hungry. I'm ready to eat. And I'm definitely ready to eat with Coach Hop, and I'm ready to make it happen. So what our what our listeners may not know, and you're listening to the voice of Dreamville underscore 33. Everybody's going to follow you now. Dreamville yeah. underscore 33. Um, you're listening to a guy who is the son, the youngest son of a Jamaican-born father, right, who was yep. was very much aware of a pretty good Jamaican born ball player by the name of Patrick Ewing and you got a chance really early on in the process when you were really young to meet Patrick Ewing isn't that right what what was that like oh, yeah. uh it was great you know um uh I was a favorite of Patrick Ewing when I was growing up and I found a lot out about him and um you know uh found out he's from you know Jamaica born um you know, I, I, one of the reasons why, you know, I chose the word 33 as I'm still wearing 33. Um, you know, even though I didn't pick his school, um, you know, Georgetown, at the end of the day, he's a great guy, uh, you know, great character. Uh, I mean, I'm still rooting for him. Um, you know, the best of luck to, uh, you know, his career as a coach. And, um, yeah. Who is your guy when you watch the NBA? Who who do you, Who does Isaiah Stewart love to watch, play, and try to – Try to do a little imitation and try to try to pick up some tips from watching which big man uh, in in the NBA. I can't say it's one big man. You know, I watch all the big men in the NBA. You know, I watch some that are stars, some that's not stars. You know, some of the stars I watch is Joe Embiid, uh, you know, Anthony Davis, uh, you know, just to name a few. And you know, you know, one person I watch that's you know not talked about a lot is Montrezl Harrell. You know, reason why I watch him is. Yeah, you know his work ethic, uh, his motor, um, his toughness, and you know that's some things that you know people love to see me play with because you know that's why I bring on the court every time. So, you know, just you know, just to name a few guys, but you know, I, I watch a ton of big guys in the league, um, and you know, I study what they do, and you know, I I watch the NBA games, and um, you know, I feel like it's a league that you know I have opportunity. Um, you know, one day to play in and play against those guys. So here's the most difficult question. You ready for this? Are you sitting down for this? Yep. If you didn't go to Washington, where would you have gone? Who finished second? Uh, that's hard to answer because, you know, I liked all the schools. Uh, you know, all the schools had something that intrigued me. Um, you know, I feel like the Washington decision, uh, you know, it was just God sent because I really prayed on it. And, you know, I just had a special feeling when it came to Washington. Um, all the other schools uh, were great, to be honest. Um, they recruited me hard, uh, you know, tried their hardest to get me to their school. So, to be honest, it would be hard for me to picture where else I would have went because all the other schools were in the running. All right. Now, you and I have to team up because there's a guy that's about 20 miles south of where I'm sitting right now, and you know who I'm talking about. His name is Jaden uh, McDaniels. Now you you yeah. are you are one of the top five players in the country. Do we think that McDaniel's is also one of the top five players in the country? Most definitely. All right. How are you and I? Okay, Isaiah and Mitch, we're we're forming a partnership. How are we going to get Jaden McDaniel's? 
to come to the University of Washington? How are you going to do it at the McDonald's All-American game? Where? How? Come on. You you already could win. You could already be mayor of Seattle, Isaiah. But if you can get him here, we may start talking governor of the state of Washington, president of the United <laughs> States. What do you got? What do we got to do to get him here? To be honest, um, I can't just continue to pound, you know, pound to him that. You know, this is the place you got to come to. Come on, bro. Da, da, da. Yeah. He heard it. He heard it a lot. You know, he heard it. Isaiah Thomas tweeted at him. You know, I'm sure he heard it from some pro guys. He's not too far from it. Uh, you know, he's not too far away from the school. So, you know, just give him his space. You know, at the McDonald's All-American game, I might mention it to him. You know, uh, talk to him about it a little bit. But other than that, you know, it's a decision. I know it's a hard decision because it, it was one for me. And I know it's going to be a hard decision for him. So, no, um, at the end of the day, you know, just give him his space, uh, you know, just let him know how special it would be. And, you know, if he likes the idea of that and, you know, want to come, uh, you know, join, join it, you know, uh, it'll be great because, you know, he's just like me, one of the top five players in the country. And, uh, you know, he will be just as special as I am to the program. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely do um, special things. We'll, we'll be able to, you know, go out there, compete, work hard, uh, win games. And, you know, after that, um, you know, achieve our dreams together. So, you know, just give them a space and to see what happens, to be honest. you have any sense of how, what the chances are that he might come here? Or do you not even have any idea? I feel like it's a great chance, to be honest. Um, you know, uh, it's not too far away from, uh, you know, his house, to be honest. Right, uh, He right. lives, you no, know, not too far away. So I feel like it's a great chance. I'm sure his family want to be able to see him play a lot. Um, uh, it makes sense. Um, you know, he's playing with a elite big, you know, and he's playing with some other great, great players around him. And so uh, I thought it's a great chance, uh, you know, we'll get Jaden. But no, if not, I always tell him, you know, if he ever choose to decide to go somewhere else, you know, the friendship and the brothership, you know, uh, me and him have is, you know, never going to end. You know, it's going to be lifetime. And, you know, I'm a root for him no matter what. Well, I'm really excited for you. I'm really excited to meet you in person. I'm really excited to go over there to Alaska Airlines Arena and watch you play. Uh, I'm impressed with you. You sound a lot older than you are. You're very mature beyond your years. (laughs) And as I said, look, you didn't know this until right now. I went to Syracuse. I'm a big Syracuse guy. But I live out. Oh, okay. here, but I live out here in Seattle. I actually went to Syracuse. I actually graduated the year that Hop came in, and I am just really, really impressed by you. Every time I see you interviewed, I become more impressed. And just the, as I said, the courage to be able to say, "Yeah, I want to not only play at University of Washington. I want to, I want to bring some something new to that program. But to to be able to say goodbye to your family and come, you know, five and a half, six hours." on a flight away and and build something here is amazing. So congratulations. I wish you all the very best uh, for the remainder of this year. I'll be watching in the McDonald's All-American game. I'll be watching in all these high-profile games on ESPN, but I really can't wait to see you in the purple and gold. Thanks so very much, Isaiah. Oh, yeah, thank you. No problem. Anytime. So there he is, the Pied Piper. Isaiah Stewart, 6'10", one of the top five high school basketball players in America. He says no to Duke. He says no to Michigan State. He says no to Kentucky. He says no to Syracuse. And instead, he plays next year for the University of Washington. How about that? If you have no other plans for the Super Bowl, and even if you do, swing by the new Zeke's Capitol Hill location on Mercer Street and say hello. I'll be there 
Hopefully, Jason Hamilton will be there. We'll have a craft beer, a slice, and we'll uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Large pies for 15 bucks, $3 slices, $4 pints for those of you that are willing to stop by. Also, I'm going to get those Super Bowl square pools going for a dollar per square. No football knowledge is necessary, and it doesn't even help. So come on by Super Bowl Sunday, Zeke's on Mercer Street in Capitol Hill, so that I can say thank you for being a supporter of Mitch Unfiltered. Zeke's dough is actually made every morning in its kitchen on Finney Ridge, delivered fresh daily to each of now, I think, the 16 Puget Sound locations. Every pizza hand-tossed when you order it, all of Zeke's herbs and produce locally sourced whenever possible and are always hand-chopped on site to emphasize their fresh, natural flavors. This Sunday, Super Bowl 53, Rams and Patriots, hopefully Jason and I, definitely me, come on out, Super Bowl Sunday, to Zeke's Capitol Hill. Also, a Rubens Brews Tap Takeover. Happy hour prices all the way from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Sunday. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Off to Atlanta, Georgia, Super Bowl 53. Here's our guy, Peter King. How many is this for you now? Have you figured that out? Can you count that high? Well, let's see. I think it's 35. Yeah, it's 35. My first one was uh, Montana and Marino in Palo Alto in uh, 85, I think. That would have been January of 85, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how many times is yep. uh, how many times is uh, Tom Brady played in the Super Bowl? Uh, this will be his ninth time. So if I had said to you, if I had said to you back when Marino and and Montana were going at it in in California that you were gonna you were gonna cover a whole bunch of these things and you were gonna see one quarterback play in the Super Bowl nine times at least maybe more before it's all said and done, you would have said what to me? I think this is. This is ridiculously unprecedented. And after the AFC Championship game, I sat with Brady in the uh, cheat in the Arrowhead locker room where the there's celebration going on all around him, and Brady just was soaking in the moment, quite literally, because he's that kind of person. He likes to he likes to appreciate what he's done and what has happened. That's exactly what he was doing, and it was so. Um, it was so cool to see him so reflective at one of the great moments of his career, uh, winning an AFC title game over Patrick Mahomes, the new phenom, uh, at age 41, meaning that he would now play Super Bowls at 39 and a half, where he had the comeback from 28 to 3 to beat Atlanta. At 40 and a half, where he threw for 505 yards uh, in the loss to Philadelphia. And now at 41 and a half, where he would play a new boy wonder, Sean McVay, who's eight and a half years younger than he is. Um, And, you know, I rode to work with McVay on Saturday morning out in California, and it was the funniest thing that he said was, you know, I've played Brady and Belichick one time. He's been he was the coordinator in Washington for three years and now he's been the head coach of the Rams one year. And he's only in those five years he's only played the Patriots one time. So it was funny. He said that uh, that one time in Foxborough, two thousand fifteen, 
uh, the Patriots killed Washington. And he said before the game, Brady comes out, the Jay-Z song is playing uh, at huge volume in the stadium, and the crowd's going crazy. And he goes, man, I love football. I just wanted to clap, too. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, uh, this will be a really fun week. It's going to be a weird week with something old and something new. It's, it's amazing. Has he solidified his place now as the greatest that's ever played the position, or is there still some question or some doubt? And if there is doubt, what does he have to do to, to earn that title? You know, look, there will always be those who say that Marina or that Montana is the best 4-0 in Super Bowls, never threw an interception, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, look, I, I mean, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I wouldn't think there's any good way to question a guy who um, – you know, in the free agency era, uh, when players move around so much and it's hard to build a team for a long time, uh, that any one quarterback can get can win nine conference championships. Huh. Uh, can um, I, I mean, and this is this is might be more incredible than that. So Brady, you know, obviously was was hurt for the season in two thousand and eight. The Patriots still win 11-5, and five, uh, but they lost the division on a tiebreaker. So the in the last 16 years, if you take that year away that Brady only played a couple of series, he got hurt in the first half of the first game. Um, if you take that away, um, Tom Brady has won the AFC East, has won his division uh, every year he's played for the last 15 years. So there's all kinds of weird, ridiculous, uh, statty things that you can look at, but I would be surprised if anybody made a reasonable argument that somebody was better. Again, like some people are just going to say, well, hey, look, no, no one will ever be better than Johnny Unitas. But, you know, to me, that's like saying that, okay, Michael Jordan's the greatest player of all time. I don't care how great LeBron ever is, he'll never be Jordan. Well, that's a little bit closed-minded, isn't it? Yeah. And so, and so I, I would say he's the best ever, but uh, I'm sure there would be some who would argue with that. Can the Rams slow him down? I find the Rams' defense to be hard to understand, and, and you, you know it better than I do, so maybe it's, it's simple. But I see a lot of great individual players. In fact, I think we see the best defensive player in the NFL on the Rams' defensive unit. And yet, the more times you watch them – the more times you see opponents really light up the scoreboard. Is this just going to be for the Rams to win? McVay is going to have to you know, produce an offensive miracle and they're going to have to outscore the Patriots? Or the, can the Rams defensively somehow slow New England down? Well, I guess I kind of look at that and think that so in the last two weeks, the Patriots have played one, I'd say, very good defense um, you know, with the Chargers. And one not so good defense, but with a very good front seven uh, in the in the Kansas City Chiefs. They've had 179 offensive snaps, and uh, Brady has not been sacked once. He's been knocked down three times in 179 snaps. So, I mean, at some point you have to say that, well, they better come up with something different than they've seen so far, and that difference might be the intense middle rush yep. of the Los Angeles Rams. We well, can do that. We know they can do that, right? I, That's the one thing they can do. They can. Yep. They can and they might. 
and but I've got to figure that uh, that the Patriots are going to try to account for it some way. Uh, we'll see if it works. I would assume that accounting for Sue and Aaron Donald means that there will be three on two on every snap, three Patriots offensive linemen on those two players on every snap. And then uh, I, that's just my assumption. I don't know, obviously. but And then we'll figure out how uh, how and if that can work. What about the uh, the Rams offensively? This Todd Gurley story, I think, is different. I, yeah. I'm not sure that I remember in all the years I'm watching. You're watching longer than me. That's because you're much older than me, Peter. But he was at one point the MVP of the league. Uh, he was that yep. good, and then all right. of a sudden, he's been replaced. Essentially, been replaced, and, and they're giving the carries to a guy who was out of a job four or six weeks ago. Nobody even wanted. He was on the street. How, how is this story possible, and what's happened in love? What is it that we don't know about this story? I think what we don't know and what nobody's going to talk about is uh, I think there are two things. Number one, I think there is the simple fact that, uh, that uh, the Rams caught lightning in a bottle getting C.J. Anderson a big back at a time when Sean McVay – uh, really felt that they were going to play some offenses that could be or defenses that were going to be vulnerable to a big physical back like C.J. Anderson. So that helped them. But also, I think clearly you have to think that uh, it's it's highly likely that Todd Gurley is still not a hundred percent. You know, from his early season knee injury. I mean, his numbers have just you know, been, you know, mediocre other than the, uh, the playoff game against Dallas, they've been mediocre for two months. So I would think that, uh, you know, with, with a couple of weeks off, I, I don't know how he could be much closer to a hundred percent, uh, than having been very little used in the championship game and then having another extra week off. I would think that Gurley would be able to play a big role in this game, and and now we'll see if uh, now we'll see if if uh, if they're going to be able to do that. If they're if 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 Sean McVay will will call his number enough. Football morning in America. Peter King in Atlanta. Super Bowl Fifty Three is just about upon us. At least we're starting the countdown to it. Uh, I'll ask you. Uh, we'll end with your pick your prediction so before we get there one last question and that would be you and I haven't visited since the New Orleans Saints disaster the Saints uh, championship game disaster the call against the Rams or the non-call um, I'd like to get your thoughts on this you've had a long time to think about it and reflect upon how the league has handled this uh, are we are we beyond that are we not going to hear about that now for the rest of the week leading up to the Super Bowl or is this going to continue to rear its ugly head. You know, I don't know what we're going to hear about or what we're not going to hear about. All I know is that I wrote a thousand words on it in my column on Monday, my Football Morning in America column, uh, in which I basically talk about how disconcerting it is that Roger Goodell has so little regard for his fans that he says nothing about the most controversial call in recent NFL history. Maybe in uh i shouldn't say in playoff history I, I just i haven't done my research enough to know whether there's been a worse call in playoff history but this call had a tangible effect on what team got to the super bowl period from the nfc 
And, uh, you know, the NFL always talks about we love our fans. Our fans are great. So they hid from their fans the whole week. They were in their fortress at 280 Park Avenue, and Roger Goodell made a calculated decision that we are going to bury this. We're not going to talk about it, and uh, we're going to just let a tacit admission, private admission, from uh, uh, Al Riveron, who, by the way, makes one one-hundredth of Roger Goodell's salary and uh, probably gets uh, just as much guff as Goodell does. But, Mitch, it's a, it's a sham. It's sinful. It's awful that the NFL doesn't address, uh, you know, the pack of elephants in the room. Do you think that New York could have radioed into the ear of one of the officials, even though replay is not technically allowed in that situation? They really, they really can't. I mean, could they have? I suppose so, but they they can't. How would how would they in any way have justified that? I, you know, if it, it's not in the rules, you can't invent a rule with two minutes left in the NFC Championship right, game. Right. I mean, it, it's just not as unfair as this is. That would have been worse. So you're just saying, you know what? Step up and take accountability, responsibility. Your guys made a mistake. Say we made a mistake. Yep. Say it publicly. That's exactly. that's the problem you have with all this. That's the major problem I have with okay. it. It's chicken crap, Mitch. It's chicken crap. Okay, Peter King, tell me what's going to happen on. So, how are you with these Super Bowl picks? You always tell me that you're no good with your I, regular. I picks. always stink. Well, I will say this: this is the <laughs> second time in my time covering the league that I picked the right two teams at the beginning oh. of the year. I picked oh. the Rams, Patriots Super Bowl. Oh. I picked the Rams to win a game, win the game. I think I said it was going to be 29-23. Right now, I'm going to I'm going to say that the Patriots are going to win this game, and it'll be scored in the 30s. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think it's going it's going to be a similar ball game uh, to the game that was played last year between the Eagles and the Patriots. I'll take the Patriots 38-33. Football morning in America. Nobody does it better than Peter King. He's in Atlanta. Have a great, great week. I'll miss you. I normally see you at the Super Bowl. I won't see you this year. I hope I hope you'll be able to have an okay week without seeing my beautiful face. Mitch, it's going to be it's going to be painful, but I'm going to try. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care. The great Peter King picking the Patriots to win in a high-scoring game. Here is a special Valentine's opportunity from Daniels Broiler. Daniels has just opened their new location, the brand-new Hyatt Regency in downtown Seattle at 8th and Howell. This Daniels has the largest seating capacity of all the Daniels. The downtown Daniels Hyatt is also open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Normally, getting into Daniels on Valentine's Day is a difficult task. But this new downtown Hyatt Daniels creates the opportunity for you to make a reservation now. For the more adventurous, you can make a night of it with dinner at Daniels and an overnight at the beautiful new Hyatt Regency. The choice is yours, but the opportunity to dine at Daniels on Valentine's Day has never been greater. Make your reservation today, locally owned by the Schwartz family and located at South Lake Union, Leshy Marina, Bellevue Place, and now the new downtown Hyatt Regency at 8th and Howell. Daniels Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. been a friend of the podcast for the last several weeks he updates us on the on the brackets the ncaa tournament brackets in fact as i've said before according to bracket matrix dave Amon 
is number one. I hate to put the keep putting the pressure on you, Dave, but you're number one. So that's why we fall backwards and hope that you'll catch us. Uh, everybody here in the Northwest is obviously excited for Washington Huskies basketball. Everybody is clear that the Pac-12 isn't very good, but as long as you keep winning, and that's what Washington's doing, winning, winning, and winning some more, you tend to be in, in pretty good standing in the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah, certainly winning still matters. It always has. So as we were talking a little bit uh, and getting ready, you know, Mitch, there's uh, – there's going to be 36 at-large teams taken. Um, last I checked, they're not reducing the field. So it's kind of where are you in that hierarchy? And right now, Washington, obviously, with their record in the Pac-12 and their net continuing to climb because of their wins, even though they may not have what someone in the past may call a marquee win or one or two of those types of standout things, they're sitting in a very good position right now. And then, as you mentioned, obviously, with you know what happened the rest over this weekend and a lot of other losses behind teams that were already behind them, given where we're at, they're sitting in a good spot as, uh, as we talk right now. Okay, so where are they sitting? They have been kind of in the 30s on your seed list, kind of a, a 9, 10, 11 seed. I think last week you told us, that they would be placed on a nine, and you delivered on that on the uh, on the Monday morning or the Tuesday morning. That you would seed them as a nine because of some technicalities as they pertain to the grid. How many of those teams around them are losing, and were the wins against Oregon and Oregon State on the road sufficient enough to have them kind of clear themselves of the bubble, or would you still say that Washington is on the bubble at seven and zero in the Pac-12? Well, at this point. I would say that Washington is not on the bubble simply because, one, they've continued to win and and that improves their overall resume. And then secondarily, somewhat by default and somewhat by the fact that they're still playing good basketball and they're winning games and you go on the road and you win two road games in conference, that's never anything to sneeze at regardless of whether the competition may not be what it's been at different points in the past. So at this point, they would be above that bubble fray, in my opinion. Whether they are quite yet to get into what you would call the top half of the bracket, which would be a seven-seat or above, the wins may not be there, depending upon how everything falls out as, as the rest of that seed league gets, gets updated again here over the next day or so. But certainly probably up to that eight line now, mm-hmm. which kind of keeps you out of that bubble territory. Now, obviously, their next step between now and when Selection Sunday comes around is to keep putting themselves in a position because, ideally, you'd like to be above that 8-9 game where if you win your first game, you're not facing one of the potential one seeds right out of the gate. Dave Amon is the guest. Brackettville, that's where we are right now on, on Mitch Unfiltered. We are in Brackettville, and Dave says, you think Washington is a legit 8 seed as of the time we're talking or is it because you needed to manipulate the bracket or they need to manipulate the brackets that they sit as an eight? You think they're a steady eight right now? That's where just looking at where I'm at right now and knowing that the whole seed list update isn't finished yet, I feel very confident that that's where they're, they're going to end up most likely. Have they built any room for error for themselves? I think if you're a, if you're a hearty, har, har guy, a negative, a a glass is half empty guy, 
uh, you might say, okay, they play the L.A. schools this week. Yeah, they're at home. But what if they stub their toe against a USC or UCLA? Are they now solid enough where they could withstand a loss like that at home and still be in the bracket, do you think? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's just too much other stuff. Too many other people have lost and too many other resumes out there that are far more difficult and challenging to get into whether they would be a deserving team that Washington is above that. So what they really need to avoid, Mitch, at this point and then moving forward is, you know, a loss or two along the way, nobody thinks realistically necessarily somebody's going to go unbeaten in conference play. That That's very difficult to do even in a down year. Mm-hmm. So what they need to avoid, obviously, is a series of losses or something where, you know, you lose four out of five or three out of four, uh, and it particularly then it depends on who you lose to. Um, you know, their next stretch here coming up, really these next four games are probably going to be, or should be anyway, if you just think about it from where those teams are, um, the t- next toughest four games they're going to have for a while because after that you get Washington State, Utah, yeah. Colorado, and California. Yeah. So you really wouldn't want to drop those. You know, if you lose a game, if you split with Arizona – Next weekend, Arizona, Arizona State, even if you went two and two, it wouldn't be ideal, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. Okay. Um, that's, Good. you know, so that, that's kind of where they are. They've given themselves a little bit of a cushion. Now, given that the Pac-12 is not great, and we don't know what other bubble teams behind them may do here over the next two to three weeks or as we get through February, I wouldn't want to risk going on losing three or four or four or five. Yeah. Um, because that kind of undoes a lot of the goodwill that you've built up. But one loss or two anywhere along the, along the path here isn't necessarily going to be um, overly detrimental, um, at least where we stand right now. You are in the audio version of Bracketville uh, with Dave, Dave Amon, who's been great to us on Mitch Unfiltered. You can follow him on the Twitter at Bracket Guy Dave, if you want to look at his his work on the website is just terrific. It's bracketville.wordpress.com. He does it in a couple of different ways. He's got the seedings there where he he lists all the at large and the teams that would be automatic qualifiers. And then he does the brackets a couple of times a week, right? The full brackets. Uh, the next bracket will be out on the Monday morning uh, of this podcast. Is that right, Monday morning? That is my plan, assuming I can survive the evening with what's <laughs> happened over the weekend. <laughs> all right. How about at the uh, the rest of the pa- snapshot of the rest of the Pac-12? Arizona State in in cleanly right now. Arizona out at this point. So two teams in the Pac-12 in your next bracket. Is that about right? Yeah, I would say that's fair. I think, you know, despite the close loss by Arizona State, given what else has happened, I think they'll uh, still manage to be in there. Arizona did not look very good at all uh, against UCLA, and not that optics are everything, but they were borderline anyway. So, um, yeah, they're going to have a little bit of work to do um, to get back in. And then, there's that next group of teams. Can any one of them, Arizona, could USC get hot? Could UCLA get hot? Could Oregon, you know, make a run? If, if there's a possibility we could still get, you know, a third team, or but they're going to have to do some significant work over this next uh, few weeks. What's happened on the one-two line, Dave, over the weekend? 
Well, I kind of did a little piece on the website early Saturday, kind of breaking that down. And, and as I said at the time, I don't know that there was a wrong or a right way to do it. I kind of gave my reasoning for how I got to where I was. Michigan State, of course, went and lost today at Purdue, which losing at Mackey Arena, there's no uh, disgrace in that at all. Uh, Purdue plays very well there, and Purdue's been on quite a run lately, and is actually a very good basketball team. That so, was that was right after you made Michigan State the number one, number one, right? You had them as the as the very top team in the entire field before that loss to Purdue. Yes, and I think when I went back through it, when you looked at all the resume factors that the committee considers, I think that was the right place for them to be heading into the weekend. Okay. And now that was their third loss overall. So when you go back through tonight, you've got to figure out, okay, well, there's a loss to a really good team on the road warrant dropping three spots. And it, it may be one of those situations where by default now, with Michigan winning again and Duke winning and Tennessee winning and Virginia winning, we're still kind of in that spot where you've got five number one seed resumes for four spots. And so it could just be we're going to have to rotate them through um, until we start getting um, some attrition that's bound to happen, um, you know, as we continue on through the season. Because the teams are either going to play each other or just the strength of their schedules, people are going to lose a couple of games. So, And then we have a team like Kentucky who has a big week, wins two big games, sure. including Kansas at home on Saturday night. Sure. So they're putting putting themselves back into that periphery of that mix that if they keep going and they're going to play Tennessee, obviously, you know, down the stretch here in the SEC, that they're going to be getting back into that. And then we still have Gonzaga, who um, the last net ratings I saw um, that were updated, I believe Gonzaga was up to number two. So their resume in terms of quality wins from a depth standpoint, isn't going to be the same, but they don't have the same opportunities either. But they played a really good non-conference schedule again. A couple of the games they lost, they were playing without Tilly. So we'll see how that all works out. And ultimately, that's going to be one of the interesting parts of this whole exercise. With the net replacing the RPI, we don't know yet, because we haven't been through it, how exactly the committee is going right. to... Right view the net. Are they going to treat the net pretty much as just a an exchange with the RPI, or are they going to use it more of a power metric, if you will, to where they're going to be more, the number is going to need more than just being a sorting tool? And quite frankly, I can't answer that question because I don't know. Are they going to tell us beforehand or not? I don't know. The last couple of years, the committee has had one of like a mid-February release of their top 16. I have not heard or confirmed that they're going to do that again. I've had people ask, and I don't know the answer to that yet. I'm hoping that we'll get an answer soon. Mm -hmm. It would be great if they did, because it would hopefully then give some sort of a guide as to how the committee may be viewing some of those things. Right. We're in Brackettville. So I, I don't yeah. know whether they will or not. Yeah, we're in Brackettville with Dave Amon, Bracket Guy Dave, uh, who, uh, who does it better than anybody else. You know, as I listen to you describe the situation Gonzaga's in, it strikes me that Gonzaga and Washington are in very similar spots, just they're in a different place in the grid. Gonzaga is going to have trouble with any of their upcoming wins moving up 
on the strength of the wins, they're going to need to move up based on just winning games and having teams around them lose, similar to Washington. That's the way Washington's going to move up to a seven seed or a six seed. It's not going to be because Washington beat anybody good because they don't have anybody really good in front of them. They're going to have to do it by winning lots and lots of games and having attrition around them on the on the S-curve, right? Both teams. Yeah, that, that is true to a certain point. I mean, there is some value, though. I mean, th- there is something to be said for a piling up, in Washington's case, what you would call solid wins. They may not be great wins, but they're solid wins. So they're um, group two wins. You, you know, you yeah. pile up yeah. those kinds of things, and it yeah. still says, hey, overall, this team has played – you know, like Washington has, I believe, at least a top 30 schedule overall. So, you know, that's a factor, too, that will help them as long as they can continue to build that. So that's why I say I think they're in a, in a pretty good position where they are right now. And we talked about this, Mitch, and one of the other podcasts about what's that percentage of Gonzaga ended up being a one. And I would still say that at the end of the day, there's probably a 60-65% chance that they end up being the one seed in the West because the metrics love Gonzaga, and the more that those kinds of things, the analytics get involved in this, which is one of the reasons they went to this new net formula, if they factor that in and you watch Gonzaga play, and not that they're beating people, they're just you know whitewashing people, right. at some point, if it's a close call, I could easily them seeing, well, Gonzaga's a naturally a West Coast team. They've had a great season. They can end up being the number one seed in the West. So we'll have a better picture of that, you know, here in about three to four weeks. Okay. High risers, free fallers. That's the way we always kind of conclude our chat. Who's fallen, fallen, fallen like a rock with some some recent losses, and who's climbing? I'm assuming you just kind of mentioned one in Kentucky with those two wins over the week, especially the one against Kansas. Yeah, so obviously Kentucky, you know, has kind of been steadily climbing and hasn't been a rocket this last week, and they've kind of reached that port point on the curve where keeping to climb is very, very difficult because the people you're trying to climb against had a head start on you, but... Uh, they're going up. Purdue, obviously, is, is one that's been really rising. They started off hot, kind of had a cold stretch, and then they have um, obviously come back. Villanova's one that continues to, to creep up, uh, you know, again, by just uh, dominating uh, of the Big East. Um, in terms of fallers, you know, do you have – how much time do you have, Mitch? Uh, pick the, pick the, the, the heaviest anchor of the group. Well, let, let's say this. Let's just give a couple of teams that are names that people may recognize. Like, when we start looking at resumes now, things that are going to start coming into question, for example, a team like St. John's, who lost again, who just, they have one really good win over Marquette, but you start looking at the rest of it and you're going, okay, well, how good is St. John's? And then we have Texas, who has a lot of really good wins, but now, much like last year, the losses are piling up. And at some point, you start getting to that, well, we're starting talking about teams that are barely 500, and where do they fit into this equation, and how do you weigh the strength of schedule, good wins, but now we also have a pile of losses, some are to which are, are to non-tournament teams. So those are a couple teams that I would say. Um, and then, 
you know, from that standpoint, they're probably the two of the bigger ones that I would say might be noteworthy um, falling at, at this point. I absolutely love it. Bracketville. Uh, follow him along. You can you can follow him on the Twitter at Bracket Guy Dave. And definitely, whatever you do, if you're a college basketball fan this time of year, if you're a Washington fan, a Gonzaga fan, a Pac-12 fan, a national college basketball fan, you've got to watch every single day. Every single day, at least for a few moments, uh, you've got to watch Bracketville.wordpress.com. So you can see what the guy who is the author of the number one projections over the last five years is uh, is saying about the NCAA tournament field. This is great. You're doing great. Thank you so much, and we'll be watching all week. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Mitch. So you got to love that assessment from the number one bracketologist in America, Washington off the bubble into the eighth seed currently and rising as they continue to make their way through the Pac-12. As I mentioned in the open, I'm excited and super appreciative to have a new sponsor join the Unfiltered team. Evergreen Golf Call is the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Founded by David Hay, this homegrown Bellevue firm manages over $3 billion, with a B, billion dollars in assets. Tyler Hay, who was named one of the 40 under 40 by the Puget Sound Business Journal, reached out to me via a dear mutual friend, shook my hand, and asked how his firm could be involved in this podcast and as a supporter of my return, and here they are. Now having spread throughout the West Coast, offices in Portland, offices in San Francisco, offices in Napa Valley, we are talking about the fastest growing wealth manager in the Pacific Northwest, and here's maybe the best part. When you go to the local Boys and Girls Club and you watch the kids play hoops, the names that you see on the back of the jerseys, Evergreen Golf Call. Just a tiny part of this firm's commitment to give back to the community. Evergreen, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. I'd like to introduce you to our next guest. Danny Kelly, the pride of Bellingham, Washington, is with us. Now, who is Danny Kelly? Well, he's a Seattle guy now, and he used to work for SB Nation, right, Danny? first yeah that's right and then and now the ringer he's the head nfl draft writer for the ringer which means it's never too early to step into the middle of the nfl draft right danny that's right i I posted uh my top 32 my draft top 32 rankings already and i got about you know half people were saying it's way too early for me to be (laughs) talking about this and half of people were really stoked about it so I think that's about right. All right. So how close are your, is your initial top 32 going to be? Can we hold you to that, or should we give you another couple tries at it as we approach April? I, I'm sure I'll move it around a little bit. <laughs> I think uh, as, as we go through the combine, I just got done. I'm down here in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. I'm sure I'll kind of adjust it as we go. But for the most part, it's kind of in the ballpark, I'd say. All right. The Ringer's Danny Kelly, the head NFL draft writer for the Ringer, Seattle guy. Uh, never too early to talk a little draft. You're at uh, the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Tell me about Drew Sample and Caleb McGarry. I'm hearing that they're getting some <laughs> some nice reviews out of the University of Washington. UW did well this week, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, Drew Sample, I think he's kind of just like a carbon copy of Will Disley in, in the sense that he's a throwback tight end. Um, you know, he's, he's able to block. I think he came into the week. People were mostly just going to be looking at him as a run blocker, as a pass blocker, things like that. But then he caught the ball well. He, he was moving around, kind of getting downfield, and 
um, it, it feels like he got onto you know some people's radars this week. And with the success of guys like George Kittle, who kind of emerged as one of the elite tight ends in the NFL this year, um, he is a definite throwback where you can have him on the field all the time. He can be blocking. I think people are going to be you know kind of remembering what what the tight end position is all about because we've got we've got like Jimmy Graham style guys and. Jordan Reed, where you move him around, and, and that's definitely important in the NFL. But you know, guys that you can depend on to block yeah. are, are going to be big. So I think yeah. that's where that's yeah. where Sample kind of stood out. And he's a Newport um, Knight. We love that about him. He's a Newport Knight. <laughs> he go, he went to the high school that my kid and kids will go to. So we're all excited about that. How about McGarry? Uh, McGarry, he had a great week. Showed up and he measured well. I think he was six uh, six, right tackle size for sure. Um, he showed like you know, it's all the prototypical stuff you look for at a, in the tackle position light feet he was tough he was kind of scrapping with guys he threw a couple guys down a lot of people really singing his praises he he won the day for i think a lot of people and um, sounds like he's going to be a really good athlete and, and kind of show out at the combine potentially and so you know i think he could be a right riser in this whole process too i think not a lot of people had him on their top 50 radar coming into this and that that might be different now danny kelly's with us the ringers head nfl draft writer he's got an nfl draft uh preview uh issue as well that's available he'll tell you where you can get that uh, is it too early to know danny if this top to bottom the 2019 nfl draft it'll be a good one an average one a below average one what's the thought about the the overall talent you know overall i think it's a little bit light at the top i would say there's probably like 10 or 15 consensus really really elite blue chip type guys if that maybe uh -huh. Uh -huh. um and then i think the second and third round so basically there's probably going to be about like 50 or 60 guys that could go anywhere from the mid first <laughs> into the second and third rounds um, i think there's kind of a plateau there where you're going to have a lot of value in the late first round early second round sounds like not a good year for john schneider to not have a second round draft choice <laughs> Yeah, they have what I think they have four picks. Yeah. So we can almost assume that they're going to draft uh, trade out of that. Yeah. Maybe a couple times. Sitting there in the second round is just probably going to be killing those guys. So I, I imagine they'll be probably trying to trade back a couple times to pick up a, a couple of second and third rounders because yeah, there's there's tons of talent in that area. Everything I read, Danny uh, says that uh, edge rushers, edge rushers, edge rushers are going to dominate the first. I don't know, 10 or 12 picks. Do you agree with that sentiment? I think so. And, you know, obviously with the quarterbacks, it's it's very, very hard to, uh, you know, predict what's going to happen there. So, uh, you know, there could be a thing, sort of like a run on quarterbacks early in the, in the round, and don't be surprised if that happens. But at the same time, I think the best players in this draft are the edge rushers and, and interior defensive linemen. Like Quinnen Williams, for instance, yeah. is a three-tech rusher, so he's going to be rushing off the guard or nose tackle potentially. Uh, but he's just unblockable guy out of Alabama. Probably the best player in, in football this in college football this year. I think that's pretty much like a consensus at this point. Obviously, Nick Bosa got hurt. He probably would have contended for that. He's probably going to be the first pick if it's not a, not a quarterback. Uh, and then like Ed Oliver, Brian Burns, Cleveland, Cleveland Furl, Josh Allen, Ja'Kai Polite. There's there's a lot of really good explosive pass rushers in this draft. Um, and there's actually a lot of good three technique rushers. So it's in terms of the what the Seahawks need, which I think is a lot of that, you know, they they need to upgrade their pass rush, especially with Frank Clark being a free agent. Right. Uh, it's a good year for that because there's just so much talent. It could could those guys could be falling into the second round too. Really? Because I because I I my fear is that all those guys and I'm obsessed with the pass rush, so yeah. uh, I I just 
my fear is that all the guys that you just mentioned will be gone by, what is it, 21 uh, that the Seahawks will be drafting. I've always gotten a, a kick out of the fact, and maybe you just named them, that by April we will all, all of us NFL fans, will pretend like we knew all the top prospects all along. And yet, yep. as of today, I'm probably not familiar with any of the names. So um, you mentioned a few of the pass rushers, and you mentioned the defensive tackle out of Alabama, who everybody says is the best. Um, any other names, any other positions, just of, you know, guys that could end up in the top five or seven in this draft that we're all going to be talking about come April? Jonah Williams, tackle out of Alabama, is – there's some there's some controversy or, or disagreement, I guess, on where he'll end up going. I think some people have him a little bit lower than I do. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be top five, top ten for sure. Um because tackle is still just such a, an important position in the NFL. I mean, you've got to protect a quarterback. You see what difference it makes for teams that have good offensive lines. Um, Cody Ford out of Oklahoma, another guy that could potentially go in, in the first ten picks. He's a tackle. Um, and then, you know, there's always the, the chance that someone picks go, goes for a receiver in the, in the first five for ten picks. And D.K. Metcalf out of Ole Miss is one guy that's really, really talented. He's kind of been, he's been compared to Josh Gordon physically tackles the receivers and any of these edge rushers could potentially go i think byron murphy has a chance to go in the top 10 too do you um, there's a couple there's yeah. a couple of corners yeah i think murphy is probably my favorite um deandre baker out of georgia is really good greedy williams at lsu is really good but i just really liked murphy just based on his instincts um just really savvy just always kind of seemed to know where the ball is going to be never lost his balance always kind of just with the receiver so um again with with passing taking off so much in the nfl you can't really overvalue corners at this point he can probably play inside or outside so i'm a big fan of murphy at this point weak draft for what position i'm not super high on the safety position i I think that there's definitely some talent in that group but it's maybe a little bit later on in the draft where there are more developmental guys Um, that could be an issue for the seahawks clearly with the earl thomas situation still up in the air um, but I think, yeah, safety is, is one that I'm not super high on. There's a couple of good linebackers in the, in the I think, probably day two, like second and third round. That could be pretty interesting. But uh, overall, it might not be a top-heavy top linebacker class as well. And, fu- um, and finally, from Danny Kelly of The Ringer, who's with us from Mobile, Alabama, site of the Senior Bowl. He's the head NFL draft writer for The Ringer. used to be with SB Nation. Uh, Danny, a Seattle guy, actually from Bellingham. Quarterbacks, Locke. Haskins, Jones, and the most intriguing name of all, Kyler Murray. Tell me, uh, tell me about that group and what's the expectation at this point for Kyler Murray? Is he a first-round draft choice or does he does he slip into the into the second or third round? Honestly, the, he could be number one. He could go first overall, and it really? wouldn't surprise me wow. all that much. Wow. Um, I'm not saying he's gonna, but I think I, I've talked to people that are sort of in the know, have, have, a, have a grip on, on kind of like what's going on behind the scenes, and they believe he could go number one. Now, that's not going to happen necessarily. I mean, we saw last year, at this time, no one was talking about Baker Mayfield as the number one pick. I mean, it was, I mean, if you look at mock draft, any of that, it was always Darnold. I don't think anybody um, was picking, uh, talking about Mayfield as the number one pick even up till draft day, for goodness sakes. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's why I'm kind of open to the idea of Murray going number one. I don't know necessarily um, if that is a good thing. Because I was really, I like, like Baker Mayfield is, was incredible player, has a little bit more size. So it's not necessarily, it's not a, a one-to-one um, comparison with those two. Kyler Murray is the biggest X-factor in the draft. He's one of the biggest X-factors in any draft just because he's, 
going to measure in at about like five nine and, and 185, 190 pounds. And there's just, frankly, no precedent for that, really, in, in the modern NFL. And so, you know, some team may take the chance on that, or he might actually fall all the way out of the first round. I just never really know. Um, I probably would kind of fall somewhere in the middle and think that a team would be willing to, you know, trade up into maybe the early half of the round to get him. Um, or, you know, if, if he ends up falling a little bit further, kind of like Lamar Jackson fell last year and then the Ravens came back up and got him. I could see that happening. Uh, but if I had to bet on it, I bet he wouldn't get out of the first round. All right. Danny Kelly, uh, Bellingham native uh, in Seattle, SB Nation, and now the head NFL draft writer for The Ringer. Thank you. I hope you enjoy Mobile, Alabama, and I hope you won't be a stranger. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it very much. Absolutely. Anytime. Unfiltered. So four interviews. Good stuff. Four interviews there. We had NFL Draft covered. We've got NCAA Tournament Bracketology covered. Washington now off the bubble mm-hmm. and have some room for error. That's nice to hear, to have room for error. Know that you don't have to win every single game. To, right. if, you're gonna, if you lose this Wednesday to USC, you're going to look up at the next brackets and you're going to be out. None, none of that right, right now. They've right. earned the opportunity to remain in. Um, Peter King in Atlanta and the big fella. The 18-year-old Washington commit, Isaiah Stewart, I guess coming on, doing an, a Seattle-area interview for the very first time. Um, before we get out of here, before you get out of here, and we start our, our bonus edition right. um, from the car ride home so I don't make you look bad, um, Howard Schultz. <sighs> Howard Schultz. <laughs> uh, has a new book out, yeah, and yeah. he is contemplating a run a run for the White House. He was on 60 Minutes yeah. on Sunday. Uh, but more importantly than that, and we can, we could, I could do an hour on that, but more importantly than that is what he wrote finally. It took how many years? What was the year, 2007? It took 12 years for us to get a, I messed up. I effed up. Mm. And we finally are getting one in the way of his autobiography. And I'll read to you. Almost everyone blamed me And after some initial denial, I realized they were right to do so. I had squandered the very public trust that I had bought into, writes Schultz in his new book. Selling the Sonics is one of the biggest regrets of my professional life. The sharpest pains hit me not when I'm publicly insulted, but when I'm walking or driving and seeing someone wearing a Supersonics t-shirt or cap. If it's a boy with his dad, it's like a stake through my heart. Losing the Sonics has been tragic for generations of fans, especially kids who are growing up without the benefit of an NBA team in their city. It's a public wound I cannot heal. For that, I will forever be deeply sorry. There you go. There's Howard Schultz, 12 years later, in his book, finally saying that something that we wanted to hear. I don't know if it would have done any good for us to hear it 12 years ago or 11 years ago or eight years ago or nine years ago, but he is saying it in his book that it, it hurts him to the core when he sees a kid or a dad or a kid and a dad wearing a Sonics, Sonics gear. You know, honestly, I don't even know what to, I don't even know how to respond to that because it just, that comment is interesting because I think about it all the time. My son is is 15 years old. I was a ball boy for the Sonics. You know, as a young kid starting at age 11, 
and it being my team even before I even was a part of that deal. And to think my son has seen, I think, two NBA games in his life. And by the time I was 15, I had I had probably seen 200 games, NBA games in my life mm-hmm. uh, in person. Mm-hmm. And, and I just – it changed everything about my basketball family and my relationship with my son, not to be able to take him to those games that I have no words for that. I just, I have nothing to, I mean, it's, it's nothing to me. It's doesn't help. It doesn't help it it at all. It's just nothing. Well, I understand that. Um, From where I sit, uh, I was never an NBA fan. Before I moved to Seattle, mm. and you could probably figure that out. Yeah, I grew yeah, college, up. I grew up yeah. in South Florida. Right. No, no NBA, NBA teams. I then went to college. Huge college huge basketball college tradition. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I lived a little bit in Washington D.C., but the the the, the Washington Bullets, Bullets at the time yeah. were playing in Landover, Maryland. Uh, it, it, I just I never was really a big the NBA. Then I came to town and I got caught up. I got caught up in the Sonics. Good time I, to come. Remember, I came to town in 1995. Yeah. yeah. And so I got caught up in the rallies and the alleys. And then I was on TV doing the thing with Kevin Calabro and Marcus Johnson doing the home games. And so I really, I got bit by the bug. I don't know that I got bit by the bug like you did, Mm -hmm. but I got bit by the bug. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we lost them. And I have kids that are 16 and 13 who both play basketball a little bit. One plays more than the other. Mm -hmm. And I just thought when I had these kids that, okay, it's going to be a shame that I can't take them to NBA basketball, but they'll grow up as fans of of football and college basketball and what have you. But something really weird has happened. And I can't, if you ask me why or how, I have no idea. If you said to my boys, Max, Brett, what's your passion in terms of watching sports? NBA basketball. One kid has never seen a Sonics game, and the other was a little baby. I took him to see Mar- uh, Carmelo Anthony when he came to town with the Nuggets. <laughs> of course, you did. Um, and now they've been to NBA. So when we go on tra- yeah, trips, I-, I have to take them because right. for whatever, I don't know how, I mm-hmm. don't know why. And their dad is clearly a college basketball fan. They these two guys, I don't know if it's NBA 2K on the Xbox. Yeah, yeah. these guys. Love football. They love the Seahawks. They love the NFL. They they play fantasy. They love baseball. In fact, they went to baseball and they both played baseball all their lives. And so they went to the Mariners games. Love baseball. Right. But there's nothing like the NBA. And I don't know how it happened because it, they weren't right, exposed they were to the Sonics. Yeah. So I so now I say to myself, Oh my God, could you have imagined Mitch Levy? What it would have been like these last several years oh, with them to be able bananas. to take them to the NBA to have a a rooting interest. Sure. Okay. They they like the Clippers because I like the yeah, Clippers. Yeah, right. Yeah. They they don't have and yet they follow it and they just eat it up and so I and then the other thing that I that this quote in the book reminds me of is when he talks about kids and fathers and it pains him. Mm-hmm what he did essentially mm-hmm. to kids and fathers there. And I don't know the right word. Maybe it's irony, but, and I don't know that I've ever told this story that I'm about to tell you. Oh, the first time I ever met Howard Schultz. No, the very first time I ever met Howard Schultz was way before he owned the Sonics. Okay. I was at a Sonics game at the key arena. I probably was working 
And I was in that restaurant underneath oh, yeah. the bowels. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember what it was called. Yeah, yeah. The Key Club or the Key Arena Club. Yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what it was called. I used to go there all the time. I can't remember the name of it. I was sitting there with a friend. And Howard Schultz was sitting, came and sat down right next to me at the next booth next to me. Okay. Okay. And I don't know whether, I can't remember whether we were introduced or he recognized me or I said something to him, recognized him. Never met him. I don't even know what year, what year would this have been? Probably been 1996, 97. Okay. Yeah, sure. And he said, Mitch Levy. And he looked at me. He said, nice to meet you. I'm aware. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a listener. And he waited. It was a buffet. Yeah. And he waited, <clears throat> maybe not intentionally, for my buddy who was with me to go to the buffet when I was by, I was by myself. He turned to me and he said, and he kind of scolded me. First time he's ever met me. Kind of scolded. Kind of. Okay. He said, I just want you to know that you're very talented and I like your show, but you put this show on that I can't listen to with my son in the car. And sports radio ought to be about mm. sports radio ought to be about a father and son connecting over sports and you do certain subject matter that make it impossible for me to listen to the show with my kid when we drive to school. And I said, I'm sorry. And I tried to explain to him that, hey, my job is not to entice, you know, eight or nine or 10 year old kids to listen to the show. My job, I am, I am, right. I am, I am graded. Yeah, paid. And I am critiqued on- based on what I do with men between 25 and 54. And I tried to explain that to him. And he said, you ought to reconsider you ought to reconsider because your show should be about fathers and sons and enjoying that moment together. So when I read this, I had this flashback. When I read him saying, wow. what pains me is what I did to fathers and sons when they were, when I see them walking down the street with Sonics, it just, I just That's had this eerie. flashback yeah. to when I was, what was I, 27, sure. 28 years old and, he, and I met him for the first time. And he probably doesn't remember that and probably won't hear this and what sure. have you. Can we just, before we finish... Okay, what else you got? Uh, why is it that I don't want to like James Harden? Can you put your finger on this? You know, this James Harden, he's, he's, he's everywhere you turn, James Harden mm-hmm. is in your face. Mm-hmm. You can't watch SportsCenter anymore without seeing... Because he's if, scoring... 50 points a game. Can I read? Can I just read to you something? And I, you know this. Everybody knows this. But I think you just have to hear it. On Thursday, November, uh, on Thursday, December the 6th, Thursday, December the 6th, 2018, James Harden against the Utah Jazz in a 118-91 loss had 15 points. 1-5. 1-5 on December the 6th. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read to you. His point total since. And okay. I won't skip a game. Okay. These are the, the game by games. I'm not going to skip a game. 35, 29, 50. 32, 47, 35, 35, 39, 41, 45, 41, 43, 44, 38, 32, 42, 43, 38, 57, 58, 48, 37, 61, 35, and 40. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how in- impactful that just was. Me just reading those numbers? Ridiculous. That's like Wilt Chamberlain. It's ridiculous. Go back and read Wilt Chamberlain's numbers game by game in whatever that 60-whatever season was that he averaged, what, 50 a game. Mm -hmm. Go back and read those. I mean, 
Those are the same kind of similar box And scores. yet I don't want to like him. I'm like, I'm predisposed to not want to accept that he's in the same breath as LeBron and as Kevin Durant mm-hmm. and as uh, Steph Curry and all these. I just, I, I want, I just want to believe that James Harden is in that next tier. He's just not quite in the not tier with those other guys. Why? Why? I don't know. Why? Man? I'm asking you. Well, I don't know the answer to that. I will say this. <laughs> I don't know where, when and where it stopped along that amazing display that you just spit out of his scoring performances. But there was a time that he had scored the last I'd heard, and I don't know where the streak stopped or if it's, if it's continued to go. But at the time, he had scored 212 points oh. without being <laughs> assisted no one got an assist on any of his baskets. 212 points without being assisted. You know why? Because he- his teammates don't like him like me. <laughs> they don't want to help him. Could you imagine how many points he'd have if they actually liked him and wanted to help him out? It's because it's one-on-one basketball, everything off the Bring dribble. Yeah. And, you know, it's three-point pull-ups. It's body and people pull-ups. It's getting phantom foul calls or real foul calls and going to the free throw line and shooting it 25 times a game. Unbelievable. I mean, he is a machine offensive weapon. He just is an no absolute... No one can be, guard him. Cannot guard him. But... The kid, kid from Duke can guard him. Trey Jones. Yeah, Trey Jones. But, you know, they're starting to come around. CP3's not playing. I mean, we're not talking about the Houston Rockets. I know we're talking about James Harden. They haven't necessarily especially early in the streak, weren't winning with him scoring big numbers. They're starting to win some now. I don't know why you don't like him. I can't speak to that. But it's I, I, just, that I don't I, like the style of basketball. It's not James Harden in maybe particular. Maybe that's it. I just don't like the fact that you, you scored. And again, I don't know where the streak ended or if it's still going. But you at one point, the last time I saw it, 212 straight points. That's not team basketball. That's not basketball I like to watch. But I do love the NBA. Okay, but uh, just to be clear... It's not a personality thing, I don't think, that makes me not want You don't fear the beard? Yeah, the beard is a little annoying. Okay. But, but, you know, when they talk to him, he's, a, he's almost soft-spoken. Yeah. He's almost modest. So I, I don't know that it's, it's like a personality thing that rubs yeah. me the wrong way. Yeah. Like, like Titskala. Hmm. Um, but maybe it's a style of play. Maybe I, I'm not. I just can't put my finger on why I don't want to accept him as an the, elite, the elite. game's greatest player. Because if this guy isn't the MVP right now, I mean, how you're going to ask a guy, you're going to tell a guy who has who's scored 30 or more in like 30 consecutive games, and yeah. some of those are 50s and 60s, yeah. you're going to tell him he's not the MVP and he's doing it without anybody assisting on any of his shots. You're going to tell that guy he's not. That was, this is kind of like the conversation we used to have on the radio. You know, I used to be on the radio. I did know that, yeah. Um, we used to have this conversation about Russell Westbrook the the year that he won the triple uh, yeah. the the year that he had the average of triple double. Yeah, average of triple I was like on the radio and I'll say I, I, I'm I'm assuming that he won he won the MVP that year. Um, I was like, oh come on, come on! I don't even like the guy. I don't like Oklahoma City. I don't mm-hmm. like anything they stand for. But a guy averages a triple, a triple double. double it's over. It's a lock. It's a, you shouldn't even have a vote. No, it's a it lock. Sh- there should be like a rule that says you yeah. average a triple-double, you win the MVP. For sure. This is kind of like that, right? It's not a triple-double, but it's... it's. I don't see the that guy's the same. averaging 40 a game, I actually don't sake. see... I don't see those two things as being similar. 
honestly. I don't think averaging a triple-double um, and winning the scoring title and having huge scoring numbers as the same as a triple-double. I, I just don't. Jason. Yeah. He's averaging 36 points, 8.2 assists per game. I, I get it. And six and a half rebounds a game. I get it. If that's not walk-off MVP numbers, I guess maybe you would say, but is he the most valuable to his team? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't follow but, it close enough to know that. But even just like I'm saying, the scoring, Russell Westbrook, when he won the MVP, whatever that was, 2017, averaging a triple-double. Now, he was also putting up crazy numbers and shooting it 9 million times. Yeah. yeah. But he also was getting double-digit rebounds and assists. Yeah. I just see that differently. Okay. All right. You don't think he's done enough? He's done a heck of a lot. <laughs> okay. All right. That's enough for episode Peyton Manning. Two hours and 900 minutes. Um, will you have an answer by episode 19, please? Like a, I might just show up. Okay. Well, I'd like to be able to promote. Well, they don't people care if I'm going to be there. Yes, they do. People see me at the basketball games all the time. They're going to ask I'm us. Out. We're going to do a thing. Shh. You know, kissing babies, shaking hands. Yeah, they, no, they want to. They want to. They want to see you. They want to see both of us. They want to see okay. you also. Uh, episode 18's finished. Uh, Daniel's Broiler, thank you. Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue, thank you. Zeke's Pizza, thank you. And and Evergreen, thank you so much. It's great to have you as a partner. Episode 18 of Mitch Unfiltered. Hello. Hey, Mitch. <laughs> hey there, buddy. I'm just calling from the car. I know you asked me to die you up, so I figured I'd do that. How you doing? Oh, you ready to start the bonus episode? I am. I'm, uh, it's a day late and a dollar short, but let's uh, let's talk some husky basketball. So this guy, James Harden, have you seen what he's done lately? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know what the, you know what this is like. You know what this is like. This is like my Max's favorite thing in the world is when he goes to a movie, and after the movie and after the credits, if you stay long enough, there's like this, these uh, funny outtakes or there's like bonus material after what the, that sure. most people most people missed because they uh, they left the theater. That's what this is. That's, that's I, I like that analogy. That's good. That's good. Do you have Do you have anything else you, you, you Anything else you want to add? Anything else that I you know since I'm since you know I know I don't want, I don't want this technology to scare you that we can actually talk from the car. Yeah, uh, the only thing I have to add is if you've got something that uh, that's bothering you and you think that geez why is he not texting me back and you think that maybe something bad has happened to me, you oughta you ought to give a shout. Actually, hit the send button instead of sending a text. Actually, send a phone call. Dial it. Send a phone call. Yeah, reach out and touch someone. I here's here's the thing that I was a, a little bit concerned about with with calling you. Yeah, I, I would have called you from a cell phone, but I didn't think you'd take the call. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Jason. That's it. Goodbye. Thanks, Mitch. Bye. Okay, episode 18 is now truly in the books.